my toilet to be able to tell me what I ate earlier that day. <laughs> I think that would be the most useful possible feature. A sort of Gillian McKeith branded toilet. <laughs> now that's a British joke. That is. <laughs> do, you, do you understand that, Roddy? Yes. Well, I, 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 as 50% of the people currently on this podcast aren't British, uh, I, can, I can kind of guess I might be able to speak for both of us when I say no. <laughs> So she was it, was it is Yes, it, thank you. <laughs> was it that embarrassing bodies that she was me. on? Was that what was the what was the name of her thing that she was on? Uh, it was called it was called You Are What You That's Eat. That's it. Um, which um, which which isn't was the true. Key for the Dara O'Brien gag. If you are what you eat, she must have eaten a fucking shrew. <laughs> um, oh yeah. Yeah. Good. Yeah, good. Excellent. Uh, British TV just never scrapes the bottom of the barrel. <laughs> Yeah, it was it was a really bad like healthy living program, which had this segment where like Gillian McKeith would look at a fat person's poo and tell them how fucking fat they were via analysing their poo. <laughs> like a, she was a very strange woman, and it, and it's obviously vulnerable to at least two criticisms. One being that like there was this idea that if you had particularly bad poo, that was indic- indicative of like a bad diet. But it's like, what is great poo? Like great poo isn't a thing. There's no like, there's no, there's no like, what are you aiming for? There's no one's ever looked at some poo and be like, you're eating well. I love this. Um, <laughs> Like, in a, like, you go in a public toilet and it's covered in shit and you're like, but to be fair, this guy's clearly getting a lot of fibre, so, you know. <laughs> so I think that's, that's as good a time as any uh, to introduce this, uh, this dumb thing we're doing. Uh, this is Trash Future, the podcast about how the future is trash. And uh, who do I got here with me? We do. Are we do on room priority. Is that <laughs> if it's room priority, then I, Alex Keeley, am in the room with Riley. So yeah. Is... Su- subbing in for Hussein yeah. Kasvani is Alex Keeley, and sc- jumping in by a phone line. Who we got? Uh, you have uh, me, Milo Edwards, on this sort of chat roulette edition of uh, chat <laughs> trash feature, um, where we all have our dicks out. <laughs> um, <laughs> and uh, you can find me on Twitter at Milo underscore Edwards. And. Uh, and I'm I'm here too. Uh, do you want me to introduce myself? Is that how this is going? <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, go, go, you you please. can unless you cool. don't want to be associated <laughs> with this. Um, <laughs> One, two, three, Fake Street. <laughs> uh, and you have Maya Kossoff here in New York City. Um, I'm a writer for Vanity Fair. Um, yeah, no, I write about I write about Silicon Valley and tech and kind of yeah for for uh, for Vanity Fair's website. Yeah, so, and um, yeah, you sort of we we ended up um, talking on uh, on Twitter. Uh, when you said you'd received a particularly eg- egregious um, bit of uh, <laughs> bit of some- something, I don't even know fully what to call it. A uh, <laughs> bit of late capitalism, I guess. <laughs> um, and yes, yeah. And we just figured we had um, to have you yeah, on to talk about it. Yeah, I got this box. Yeah, no, we 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 went from there, but what it all started the other day. I was I walked into the office and there was this enormous box thing at my desk. And it was really heavy and I didn't know what was in it. And I, there was one word on the box and it said Ember. So I thought it, it was did, some did awful, it, it has like to be some no awful tech the thing. Um, <laughs> so I opened the box and inside the box, there's another box. That's always a good so sign. So I take the box out of the box and I open the second box. And inside that box, there's a third box. Oh, it's and a, it's a at this point box. I thought... <laughs> it's like the russian nesting dolls of like stupid tech products yeah exactly um 
So I'm annoyed at this point. So I figured this is like a PR person being cute. And I opened the third box and inside the third box, lo and behold, there is, I, I guess you would call it a device of some sort. It was an Ember branded device and it came in parts. And the main part was this, <laughs> the, the main part was this like big cylinder. It was this, I pulled it out and it was heavy and I didn't really know what it was supposed to be. It said Ember on it. Um, and then I took out two more parts. One was a gold hoop and one was a black ceramic hoop. And it's I still wasn't toy. really sure. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> and I pulled those out. <laughs> or, I mean, but judging why it's called Ember, it could be like a fire lighter, maybe? Like some kind of very, very like advanced um, caveman <laughs> device for lighting I fires. I thought maybe it was like some new kind of like voice activated assistant device thing a la an Echo or Google Home or something. It was really fucking toy. heavy. <laughs> okay, Google, fuck um, me. And then... <laughs> the problem is we've, we have actually done an episode on that, which exists. Those exist. Yeah. That's terrifying. <laughs> and they're passive aggressive. I remember reading about that. I, I feel like there was a story about how there was like a data breach with a sex toy, a smart sex toy company a few months ago. Oh, shit. I didn't actually see this. We should probably do an episode about that. <laughs> hey, guys, we should we should uh, we should start a podcast. About technology. <laughs> um, OK, so the uh, this so so far we have three boxes, a cylinder and two rings <laughs> for the emperor. Yes. And then I pull out a fourth piece to this puzzle and it is it, it's it's. The, there's two words on it. It says charging coaster. Okay. I'm still like not really sure what's going on here. <laughs> and, it, and then beneath, two words beneath that, that it are says... so like lexically incompatible <laughs> with each other. <laughs> and then beneath that in like small tiny print, it says do not get wet. And so I'm coaster. very confused at this point. <laughs> so what? Literally a device that is designed to protect tables from dampness. <laughs> <laughs> like, don't heaven forbid you get it wet. And I still couldn't figure out what this thing was, so I had to Google it to find out what it was, which I think speaks to the the how horrible a job their marketing team is doing that I couldn't figure out what this was supposed to be. And uh, the first thing that popped up was an ad for from Starbucks um, in Google, and it said that you can buy Ember for one hundred fifty dollars at Starbucks. Which didn't really make anything more clear about what the thing I had received in the mail was. Um, mm -hmm. But I, do you have any last guesses before I give it away? I mean, is it if it's if it involves Starbucks? Is it some kind of like mug that keeps your coffee hot or something, and also it, like sucks <laughs> your dick? <laughs> it doesn't. It doesn't suck your dick, but it does keep your coffee at the exact right temperature that you ask it to. So it is a for your dick. <laughs> for your dick, it is a smart thermos. A smart thermos. <laughs> How is it smart? Um, does it does so, it have Wi-Fi and Bluetooth connectivity? The holy. It, the holy it does grail. have. It does have Bluetooth connectivity, and there's an app that you can download. So you, I guess you can you like program it, it to keep your coffee a certain temperature or something like that. But but thermoses <laughs> exist. Normal thermoses. Yeah, do I know. That. <laughs> <laughs> but it's not a smart thermos. <laughs> <laughs> My. Maya, right now, somewhere deep in the Libyanka building, there's a there's an FSB spy who knows exactly what temperature you like your coffee at. He's <laughs> <laughs> trying to work out how you can be blackmailed for this information. Compromat. Everything is compromat. I think the, the worst part about the smart thermos is, as I was kind of trying to piece together what 
what the different parts were supposed to be, it became clear to me that the charging coaster was obviously a place for you to charge the the cylinder thing, which was the 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 thermos. And you then have to charge your coffee cup. The, the two rings that hmm. the two rings the two rings that they gave me. There's a black ceramic ring, but then the gold ring is a 24 karat gold like rim for your coast or for your for your thermos. So you can like take off the regular rim that the thermos has and put on like this disgusting gold one instead. That's 24 karat gold because like capitalism. Because you want to marry your smart thermos. I do. Don't you? Hey, if you like it, <laughs> Riley, you should put a ring on it. <laughs> and that applies How? to all things, even inanimate objects. So just 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 to be clear, there is um an an, an app you get for your phone where you can remotely control uh, the temperature of your coffee, which you can keep in a gold rimmed thermos. That that is that is all correct. Yes. <laughs> On a purely sort of British slang point of view, one of the bits on the website says an intelligent mug, <laughs> and mug is slang in Britain for a complete idiot. So <laughs> that, is, that, is an ox, that is an oxymoron. Um, oh, the other thing that you need to know, there's, there's certain, there's like some, the things that it can do, its capabilities. So besides selling for $150, the mug keeps your liquid at a constant temperature between 120 and 145 degrees Fahrenheit for two hours. So this really only works for a couple hours. You're paying this, like, you're paying for this smart mug that keeps your coffee warm for slightly longer than coffee stays warm on its own. Uh, or uh, mm. less long than in a normal thermos, which it would keep it. I've, I've had normal <laughs> thermoses keep coffee at a drinkable temperature for sort of much of the day, really, and it never cost me more than about 10 pounds. <laughs> Yeah, but Riley, is it gold? <laughs> Can it? Okay, so I've actually hopped on to the Ember website, um, and I've just found some wonderful details. Uh, uh, Go ahead. Either of you guys have a guess as to how long it took <laughs> to, to create this particular um, intelligent mug? 18 months. <laughs> 18 months. Uh, Milo? I, I'm going to go two years. You guys... Uh, Keely's already seen I've it. I've already seen it, I'm afraid, you guys. You guys are both way under. Oh, I'm going to go, was it, go was ahead it and give you a number that... NASA? Because too many astronauts were, like, burning their tongue in. <laughs> uh, I'm going to give you guys a number and a time scale that could give you both stress aneurysms. So I, I hope you're holding on to something. <laughs> hold on to your... Embracing hold on myself. Hold to your brain capillaries, lads. <laughs> Don't let don't let any any um any co any coagulated blood clots head into head into your brainstem, because this shit was eight years in the making. What the fuck? <laughs> it was what? Eight years. Eight years. <laughs> that means just for context. That means in two thousand nine, <laughs> someone sat down. Mm. <laughs> Had a cup sip of cold coffee while, like, Rihanna's umbrella was blowing up the charts as the number one <laughs> single and decided, ah, there's got to be a better way. Or well, Bennett didn't even necessarily have a sip of cold coffee, but had a sip of hot coffee from their thermos and thought, but what if I could find out how much was still in the thermos from an app on my phone? Which at this <laughs> point is still like an iPhone 3GS. <laughs> The, my other favorite fact about Ember is the list of people, the celebrities they've recruited to kind of be investors for the company. Oh, so it's a fire so, festival thing. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yes, it's a fire festival thing. Yeah, exactly. 
Yeah. So so Demi Demi Lovato is an investor in Ember. Uh-huh. So is Tyler the creator. Uh, what? So are the chain smokers. <laughs> so are all three Jonas brothers. Um the CEO the of Rock Nation. <laughs> the, I think the list goes on. Oh wait, if the Jonas brothers are investing in it, maybe that gold ring thing is actually like a pledge chastity ring for your like fucking... <laughs> It's a purity ring, yeah. For your, for your sex toy Bluetooth thermos. <laughs> Putting a ring on my Bluetooth thermos to promise to stay pure and preserve my essence. Eight years. Eight years to make something that useless. I mean, like, it, when you consider there are, like, eight-year-old children in China who can and do make shoes, uh, you know, it really sheds a, a stark light. <laughs> <laughs> it took him eight years. I want to read you a headline I, I saw this week about the, the smart thermos. It's from Popular Science. And as far as I can tell, this is not a sponsored post. Oh, so this is not advertised. Um, the headline is, this is, this is someone who really fucking loves this smart thermos. The headline is, this temperature control mug is the best product I've tried in 2017. And the subhead is, honestly, it changes, it changed my coffee drinking habits. Why? How, how, <laughs> Who works for popular science who was unable to keep their coffee warm before like who <laughs> it's like popular science a repository for like people who couldn't actually do science so they went into like <laughs> writing about science like here's something some real scientists did which i just think is cool <laughs> i thought that was the i fucking love science.com website isn't that what they do oh god they are the literal worst <laughs> in the spirit of continuing to own ember because like there this is just the like the layup of companies um on ember technologies about us section they have a section called changing the world <laughs> Uh, I guess it's implied that they're doing this in a very specific and targeted way over a long period of time. Um, so I'm going to read you. I'm going to read it's you. It's an eight-year plan. <laughs> I'm going to read you this. <laughs> Founded in 2010 by inventor and serial entrepreneur Clay Alexander, Ember is a design-led temperature control brand. Holy fuck. He says, we believe giving people the power to control temperature will revolutionize the way people eat and drink, he said, describing the Neolithic revolution. (laughs) I'm pretty sure I'm pretty sure Prometheus already did this. High-tech stuff, guys. Soon you'll be able to have a box in your house that stays cold and then your food won't rot. So I guess this actually kind of counts as one of our other segments, which is when Silicon Valley and Associated Acts accidentally, like, invent the bus or philosophy. Um, (laughs) Ember just invented applying heat to food. We've invented cooking things. See, it's amazing. It, like, all the people who worked at Ember before were all, all just kept getting like fucking vicious strains of salmonella from eating like raw <laughs> eggs and turkey. They're like, God, there must be something that can be done. Okay. Oh my God. This <laughs> this just gets better and better. Um, the spark of Ember. It all started with cold eggs. <laughs> How could eggs fresh <laughs> off the stove become so cold so quickly? This simple question led entrepreneur Clay Alexander down an exciting and uncharted path to ultimately create one of the world's most... Wait, hang on. I thought you were making this up. This is actually on their website. (laughs) Yes, to create one of the world's most revolutionary (laughs) consumer product brands. Now, you're going to have to let me get through this whole paragraph, guys, because you're not going to want to. (laughs) 
In 2009, Alexander sat down for breakfast with his wife, so the eight-year thing checks out. And within minutes, as always, his eggs were cold because he didn't just eat them when they were hot, I guess. <laughs> so as a, as a successful serial inventor, a.k.a. definitely a serial killer, not a serial killer, British libel laws are really intense, um, Alexander stared at his cold eggs and pondered how he could solve this problem. I don't know, make new eggs. Uh, there just had to be a better way. Why couldn't the plate keep his food warm <laughs> and mugs keep his coffee hot? This sparked Alexander's interest in temperature control. He wanted to create a new category of dishware that would maintain a perfect temperature versus just keeping food and drinks hot. Wow, he literally said there has to be a better way. I feel way. like I've identified Alex, Clay Alexander's problem, and it's that he either doesn't eat his food fast enough or... He needs to turn up the thermostat in his house. <laughs> I feel like the yeah. mug is maybe not the problem. He just like he just like makes his wife make him eggs and then like doesn't <laughs> descend downstairs for ages like some fucking aging monarch. Like, <laughs> like when will Sir be coming down for breakfast? When Sir is goddamn good and ready. Um also, a plate that keeps your food warm. Like, my dad has been warming plates in the oven for as long as I can remember to put food on them. I mean like like, literally, this guy could have hung out with my dad once. My dad would have been like, well, you can put the plate in the oven. That's your problem solved there. <laughs> I love I love these, like, origin stories for, for people who have invent devices because it so reminds me of, like watching infomercials where like it's it's the it's black and white and someone's trying to like illustrate like the the product is like an organizer for your kitchen cabinet and so they show this video of this woman opening her cabinet door and all this tupperware like tumbles out on top of her and like you're like you like it the voiceover is like the voiceover is like don't you hate when this happens and like this is like the clay alexander thing is like this is a completely unrelatable scenario that nobody has ever had a problem with before except for this guy <laughs> i think that is exactly right it is just like one of the or when the like the knife commercials where they try to like cut the tomato yes. with like the flat of the blade yeah. and they're they like fuck up oh, this i just can't figure this thing out <laughs> Um, and I, I got one more reading from this uh, this website uh, that I think is just incredible, uh, which is how the how what he did initially. How he had cold eggs. He stood up from his table, stormed into the basement, and then here's back to the, the website. Um, Alexander went to work and started strapping RC batteries to the back of dish plates. What? <laughs> what? And perfecting <laughs> why? Because you don't know also, how electronics works. Like you can't just put batteries in a regular plate and expect it to become like a magic electronic plate. <laughs> I imagine like there's like a more tragic backstory. Like when Alexander, when Alexander's son died, he was found like cramming AA batteries into his son's mouth, going like. Live! Make make boy go again. <laughs> Alexander, uh, like in a in a castle somewhere in Romania, with a plate <laughs> on a slab connected to a, a lightning rod. Like live, damn you! <laughs> um, okay, I'm gonna finish reading this paragraph. Alexander went to work and started strapping RC batteries to the back of dish plates. Also, <laughs> dish plates, mate, plates, and perfecting his thermal technology strategy. <laughs> Just putting together two different words for two different kinds of like fucking like earthenware, like like dishes and plates, different things. Like, like there's a dish plate, it's a new hybrid yeah, kind of fucking kitchenware that he's invented. He's like, so this 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 is why late stage capitalism I, is. Stupid. I grasped my fork knife. <laughs> this is why late stage capitalism is so stupid because 
a guy's eggs got cold and his response was to tape batteries to a plate. <laughs> <laughs> if the plate won't come to us, um, we'll take so, the batteries to the plate. Maya, can you remind us how much this costs? Yes, I believe it retails for $150. Good. Excellent. Ooh. That's surprisingly <laughs> cheap, actually. Like, given, given like, if we, if we are to put it in the context of, like, the T4-ia... At a, at a juicy $1,500 for a product which is, like, no more useless. Um, I, would like to, I would like to add uh, that, yes, the, the base model is $150. But if you want um, the 24-carat gold halo lid, uh, that's an extra hundy. <laughs> <laughs> um, I... I, I would like to read a little bit about the, some more of the features from the popular science article, if that's okay with yes, you. Yes, that is so okay with me. <laughs> okay, great. Um, I, I, and I quote from this glowing popular science review of the, of the coffee mug. The new mug connects to your smartphone or Apple Watch to adjust the temperature. It senses when there is no liquid inside, puts itself into sleep mode when not being used, and then uses a three-axis three-axis accelerometer to recognize movement and wake the mug back up like what (laughs) why um and then he goes on to say i understand that not everybody cares to download an app to ensure the optimal temperature for their coffee but you're if you're a person who really loves coffee it's worth it (laughs) and that's how it ends i i love i understand that not everybody like oh i mean like almost nobody like not everybody's like but still 70 percent. it's like no it's like nobody (laughs) oh also what i realized and i'm doing i'm actually i have a mug of tea with me um i realized that the mug is effectively in sleep mode when it's empty uh, (laughs) and not being used (laughs) this mug has a built-in sleep mode I just like, so like over the past couple of years, we've had phones um, randomly exploding, like some models of phone. And it's like those, that's quite a big leap to go from a phone to exploding. But this is like an object that's main purpose is to like heat. It just feels like the fail rate needs to be like quite, it can be quite low and still cause a lot of accidents. I feel this object. I mean, what's because it, we, it is Wi-Fi and Bluetooth connected. I bet what's going to happen is your like smart duvet and smart fridge are going to work together, so it overheats and like burns your hands off. <laughs> Before we go on to uh, our our break and our next segment, there was one more um, sort of not necessarily tech, but very late stage capitalism product I wanted to highlight, um, mm-hmm. and that is. Uh, 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 Tiffany and Company, uh, you know, noted bastion of sort of you know um, um, progressivism and equality, um, <laughs> has released a new range of At objects. Breakfast, crucially, <laughs> notable are breakfast. The eggs, are the eggs hot enough, Tiffany? That's what you need to ask yourself. They have released a series of of, of new items that are 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 like really just peak, uh, peak late stage capitalism. Uh, it's called their Everyday Objects range. Uh, there are 69 items in the range. Nice. Um, nice. And it, uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm scrolling through here, and I'm seeing such things as um, sets of paper cups uh, t- that come in two, uh, a crazy straw, and an empty tin can. What? Uh, yes. An empty tin can. It's a crazy straw made out of like sterling silver. <laughs> they're all they're all made out of like metals, but there's there's a ball of um, silver yarn that retails for nine thousand dollars, and it's made out of sterling silver. Oh, and that is my favorite. <laughs> oh my god! 
I, I, <laughs> what you don't realise is that, that that ball of yarn can actually help you find your way out of any maze. <laughs> <laughs> GPS enables. It's called yarn, but it's spelled just Y-R-N. Connects to a sort of GPS database of all of the world's most... Is it Bluetooth enabled? I'm pretty sure it is, yeah. It actually it connects to your thermos to make sure that your coffee stays warm for the duration of your <laughs> maze uh, escape. Um, I got kind of, I always kind of saw that as more of like a du- like a Dungeons and Dragons thing that you can find to like uh, that you can you know buy with some adventuring gold. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you can really you can be like, ah, yes, this enchanted silver yarn. <laughs> um, <clears throat> well, I didn't see the yarn. Uh, my favorite was actually the uh, sterling silver sterling silver school supplies. <laughs> You know, um, because meritocracy is a real Sterling concept. silver paper. <laughs> it's a $425 silver protractor. Like, that's definitely something oh, that, like... nice. Like, if Jaden Smith Betsy, were born When, when Betsy later, DeVos really, like, sinks her teeth into the Department of Education, like, every student will be required to have a $500 silver protractor. <laughs> I mean, uh, you'll imagine how how inconvenient a sterling silver geometry set would be. Like it tarnishes. Like <laughs> you would have to like polish it regularly in order for it to be readable. <laughs> oh, how much the harmonica? It's like, yeah. Right, children. Before we begin the lesson, everyone must polish their geometry sets. Now, <laughs> take your brasso in one hand. <laughs> my, my, I think my, one of my new because we're scrolling so I through. Imagine like being being like a Habsburg royal was like in the sort of like 1800s. Guys, um, for what what do you get the hobo who has everything? <laughs> <laughs> a classic style hobo. You get a $385 harmonica. What do you get the My hobo who has is everything? The, is this... Somewhere to live, like obviously. <laughs> <laughs> um, my favorite is the statement on their website about this collection of items, if I may oh, read it. Um it says, beautiful things shouldn't just live in a drawer. Handcrafted in sterling silver, enamel, and wood, this new collection elevates traditional office supplies and accessories. I don't think a tin can is either of those things, <laughs> no, but it's okay. Just rubbish. Into works of art meant to become favorite pieces you use every day. In what world is anybody using any of these things? <laughs> yeah, in what, in what world do you use an hourglass? <laughs> <laughs> in, in a world where you use an empty tin can. Like no, like tin, like tin cans have no like inherent use. Like they're they're just vessels for like you. You never bought tin. You don't. No one buys tin cans to put things in. You buy tin cans for the things that are inside them. Like, okay, so I'm. I mean, gone. Maybe this is too deep and philosophical a thought for this. <laughs> yeah, but like, yeah. it's a receptacle. <laughs> so my favorite. I just seen one which is a tic tac toe set in walnut, sterling silver, and Amazonite for $1,000, which... <laughs> but, like, tic-tac-toe is famously a game you can play with pen and paper. Like, I've never even heard... Uh, <laughs> I've never heard of it being played with sterling silver like, and Amazonite. <laughs> I actually only play tic-tac-toe with sterling silver, um, just to own the libs, really. You know, <laughs> of course. Like, play, right. right. <laughs> Playing tic-tac-toe with sterling silver to own the libs. Um, I, I, I'm looking at more of this stuff, empty tin cans, like, uh, candle snuffers, uh, like discarded paper cups and stuff. It's become increasingly clear that like big, big hobo has taken over Tiffany. (laughs) (laughs) Big hobo. That just sounds like it's an actual guy. (laughs) It's like a fucking huge homeless dude who's known as big hobo. Oh, good and lord. All the Tiffany employees are scared of him, so he's proceeding <laughs> to all of his demands. So they just like, do what he I says. Want, I want a can. A silver can. 
He, he sounds a bit like a pirate for some reason. Various. <laughs> yes. show about how the future is trash. <laughs> are your kids spending too much time on the wireless? <laughs> are your children spending too much time with their dervishes and whirly doodles? Playing too much stick and hoop and not doing the, the grueling daily board washing? I mean, people washing? did used to work at a young age. Um, but no, you know what was interesting is that... <laughs> Is that like your <laughs> fucking take on this? It's like, well, you know, yeah, actually, it's because <laughs> the people did used to use child labor. <laughs> if we thought that the, all that dish plate shit was dumb, um, more and worse things have been happening. <laughs> like, like narrator. Yes, they had. Two of the um, sort of big socials media uh, have both just <laughs> done some really fucked up shit in the last sort of seven days or so. Uh, what do you want to start with? Do you want to start with Facebook or Twitter? Let's start with Facebook. Mm. You guys good to start with Facebook? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, you know, I always, I always stuck with Zuck. Real definite human, Mark Zuckerberg. <laughs> Berg. Um, yeah, Mark, Mark Zuckerberg. De- definite not alien billionaire, Mark Zuckerberg. Um, so uh, I, I don't know if you guys saw uh, that Facebook just sent the entire world a text saying send nudes. <laughs> <laughs> it, it, it's 4 a.m. It's deep in the sash and it's decided it's worthwhile to ask the entire world to send nudes. <laughs> oh, wow. I've never actually asked anyone to send me nudes. Um, wow. Well, are you a male which... feminist? <laughs> OMG. Yeah. As, as my business cards will tell you. <laughs> um, Facebook has decided they want users to upload nude pictures of themselves to Messenger. <laughs> I mean, can other, other than just like someone is incredibly horny and hasn't heard of Pornhub, um, wh- 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 why, why do you think <laughs> that they could possibly be doing this? <laughs> so what? So they're trying to stop. They're trying to... It's, it's, it's combating revenge porn. I did genuinely... Yeah. Think when reading the headline originally because it was like Facebook, like Facebook wanted to combat <laughs> for, uh, revenge porn by sending nudes. I thought it was like a kind of like I am Spartacus esque thing where like if everyone <laughs> sends, if everyone, everyone sends their naked. nudes, then if we are all naked, then no one is naked, sort of thing. <laughs> but um, <laughs> but that apparently is oh, not. Yeah. Apparently, it's a more tech solution than <laughs> the destruction of shame as a social concept, which. Would be impressive if Zuckerberg could achieve that. But. <laughs> it's like 
Facebook tries to like completely change like the underpinning nature of Western society in order to combat revenge porn. Well, just it's, like it's, everyone's just going to release porn of themselves on like a daily basis. That's I was going to say this. This basically this basically makes Facebook the opposite of Savonero. Mark, Mark Zuckerberg <laughs> just like uploads a video of him sucking his own dick and is like, "See guys, revenge porn is over." So. Uh, here, I'm, I'm, I'm just reading from an article in The Independent. Um, Facebook believes the best way to combat revenge porn uh, could be to post intimate pictures of yourself online before anyone else <laughs> manages to, which is, I guess, the internet equivalent of you can't fire me, I quit. <laughs> <laughs> um. Uh, <laughs> the so so um what so you're supposed to go onto the messenger uh, app and then like you or you message someone a screenshot and then they look they look at it and then they create some sort of numerical hashtag code thing that means that anyone else sending or trying to upload an image that is that or or manipulations of that won't be able to and it'll be on a contraband thing but someone has to. Someone has to look at it, and it said like, and the article said something like, one of the ones articles I said, Facebook was like, "Yep, yeah, it's fine. We're gonna have like trained professionals <laughs> looking at this." Mate, I've I'm got like, what my. Does that, what does that mean? I mean, I've got my Gladwell ten thousand hours. <laughs> this seems like as good a time as any to to let you guys know that I'm accepted the new job at Facebook um, as uh, as a revenge porn viewer. So I I'm the one who's looking at all of the all the nudes and screening them. Uh, no. <laughs> oh wait. Um, <laughs> What was the training you had to go through, Maya? <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, <laughs> it's it's just a lot of it's a lot of uh, it's it's a lot of uh, looking at nudes all day. Just I, I'm I'm looking at I'm on Pornhub eight hours a day, basically. It's it's a Venn diagram at the center of which is like you people who spent too much time on Omegle and like uh, sort of Renaissance <laughs> artists. <laughs> Like surely it's like someone who works at a chocolate factory, right? That those people must be completely decent. Like that for them, clothed is the new nude. That is the new exciting. <laughs> that is the new exciting world. What I think what what strikes me about uh, this system for preventing uh, revenge porn is how wildly specific it is. Um, because, it, it, because what it, it's not like Facebook has developed an algorithm to recognize nudes, um, and it's not as though. Uh, they're sort of going to block nudes in general. Is that you? S- it's like you send them a picture, and then Facebook will recognize that exact picture, and then prevent it from being uploaded to Facebook, Instagram, groups, Messenger, whatever. Um, but that means every time you like take a naked picture of yourself, you have to like send it to the person you're sending it to, and then CC Facebook. <laughs> <laughs> it's pretty good. I'm already thinking of a prank with this where, like, Riley, I'm just going to send, like, all of your profile pictures to Facebook as, like, my nudes. (laughs) (laughs) And then just just get you shut down for revenge. Yeah. Um, But the reason... They're like, God, Milo, what a terribly hairy ass you have. (laughs) (laughs) But the reason that they have to have someone look at it... So the reason they have to have a real person look at it is that that if you accidentally send them or if you deliberately try and send them a a piece of content that isn't nudes and that you just want to not be able to be sent on Facebook. But it's like, that feels like not a massive... I feel like the problem of like some things being banned for temporarily until someone works it out that are just other images because someone's using it duplicitously is not as bad a problem as like 
it's a real person looking at your nude photos to check if they're like <laughs> actual nudes. Yeah, which I like. I think that was the reason they said they needed to add that to the process. Well, look, that's why that's why they have experts like Maya. <laughs> you know, you can trust <laughs> Maya knows what a nude is. Exactly. I mean, I, I, Maya has a trustworthy voice. I'd, um, Thank you. Know. That's so nice of yeah. you to say. I've never, <laughs> I've never like actually shown a woman my balls before, but uh, you know, I think maybe in time. Uh, with with the help of Maya's trustworthy voice, uh, I could grow and change. So yeah, that's the uh, that's the basis of this of this Facebook thing. Um, if you send them their nu- your nudes, they promise they're just going to take them to protect you, and they're never going to get used for anything else. The FSB are looking at your nudes uh, because, and here this is a name. This is a name I quite enjoy. Uh, I'm reading a quote from this from Facebook here. Um, the safety and well-being of the Facebook community is our top priority, said Antigone Davis, <laughs> Facebook's head of global safety. Named after the tragic figure. <laughs> who was, is this a, like, is this a safe enough space? in a cave. Is this a safe enough space for me to admit that for quite a long time I thought that it was pronounced Antigone? <laughs> Which I did is... too. <laughs> Mate, didn't you go to like Eton? I, I, I went to a number of educational establishments that would suggest that I would know how to correctly pronounce a name from classical tragedy. But um, no, Antigone. Which means that they're just present, right? They're just present. They're Antigone, or, so they just exist. Or, where... or it's something that repels your aunt. Yes, that's also true. <laughs> uh, it's one of the you can get it in the spray gone. in spray. Really, it would need a U in it, Riley. Uh, I, I, we, I mean, there's a Ghostbusters one as well. But I mean, at what point is the pun destroyed? I mean, I, mean, I think the, the Greek is probably technically Antigone, so you know we're all wrong. Really. Ugh, you fucking linguists. <laughs> um, um, so I, I mean, that's just, I, I don't. That's the thing. I don't know about you guys. I just. Whenever a large tech company says that they're doing something to promote the like safety and well-being of their users and there's no ulterior motive, I basically just as a default don't believe them. Uh, well, like the idea that the idea that Facebook has anyone's best interest at heart, I think is uh, pretty far-fetched really. I mean, although I mean whilst Mark Zuckerberg is definitely a real human born of a real a woman uh, who has a normal human life. Um, I am. T- I do think he will probably sell sell your data to uh, our eventual Chinese overlords. Nothing but respect for my future president. Um, <laughs> my future lizard president. So, any 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 other any other hot takes on uh, on <laughs> on on Facebook being like a creepy four a.m. text message dude, or are we happy to move my- on to Twitter? <laughs> My favorite take I saw the other day was somebody being like, well, this is a bad idea. And I was like, yeah. And then they were like, but it would be a better idea if every tech company did this together and they worked together on it. Wait, what? And I was like, so no. A <laughs> massive national database of news. <laughs> yeah, right. you that, that article was just like written by like a really pervy dude who's like good at like, like SQL queries. <laughs> What what was the basis? The only way to really protect the women is to create a massive national nude database, which I personally will ensure is not misused. (laughs) This this uh, this one army and this one corporation working together doesn't work. But if we could make it some kind of military industrial complex, (laughs) (laughs) some some kind of nudity industrial complex. So wait, what was what was the basis that someone said that they thought it would be a good idea if every single tech company gathered everyone's sort of, you know, amateur pornography? 
Even tech was, companies that have like nothing to do with image sharing, like Ember. You know, fucking like Uber, <laughs> just have a load of your all, nudes. Guys, guys, I new think, trash future campaign. Let's all send nudes to Ember. I think the Ember. point they were trying to make was like it would be less creepy if it was like some sort of like task force for revenge porn and like and like Google and Facebook and Twitter like all signed on to it or something like that. But like, no, I I, I would prefer that zero tech companies have my nudes. To be yeah. honest, I. I'd prefer that zero people have my nudes. <laughs> Fair. Yeah. yeah, I mean, I I would also prefer that zero people have Riley's nudes. I'm just a humanitarian. <laughs> um, like, yeah, I mean, in general, like, I actually, I I definitely prefer the idea of like just publishing everyone's nudes and then it's just done. <laughs> everyone's no seen everyone's uh, dick and or vagina. And that's it now. We just know. We know what everyone's uh, dick and or vagina looks like. And it's not an event anymore. I feel, but this is like, I feel like this is like to catch a nude. We must think like a nude. Like it's like, to, you have to give, you have to give all of your. <laughs> you fucking murdered me. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> um, okay. <laughs> I, I can't believe someone was like, ah, this this idea of sending all of our nudes to a tech company doesn't go far enough. <laughs> so good. Um, okay. Uh, so just so uh, slightly conscious of uh, of of time, I'd slightly like to uh, move on to Twitter, who's got some very interesting policies around who can use the service <laughs> that have come up in the last couple of weeks. Um, uh, I think you, nice. Maya, you've seen this as well, right? I have. Um, <laughs> so can you, um, can you update the, uh, the listeners what, um, Twitter's official or not official, but implied position is now <laughs> on, yeah. Um, yeah. on, on, on who they care about? Yeah. So, so based on their rules and what they've done over the past few weeks, Twitter's unofficial rules seem to imply that, um, Leftist parody accounts are not allowed. Um, uh, oh, dangerous! But <laughs> but but uh, the people who are allowed on the website and the people that they will verify on the website um, are white supremacists. So this week, this week, um, so this week, Twitter verified the account of Jason Kessler, who organized the 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 neo Nazi Charlottesville rally in August. Mm. Um, and he 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 must have like applied to be verified because he tweeted this week on Tuesday and was like, "Looks like I finally got verified." <laughs> <laughs> um, what I loved is that he said, I, "I'm the." Uh, and on on top of that that tweet, he said, "I'm the only working class white activist who's been verified." But yeah, I mean, over the past few weeks, I feel like we've seen a lot of kind of left leaning uh, parody accounts get taken down and suspended, even for like a few days. And I honestly think that this is because Twitter has been so bad about suspending accounts in the past, like they they've neglected to do so. That they're going into overdrive now after the Rose McGowan incident a few weeks ago, and now they're just like like every time somebody reports an account, uh, they take it super seriously, and without even looking at it, they'll just kind of temporarily lock or suspend the account. Um, for for a few hours or a few days or whatever, um, until you send them that your nudes. That's until you send them your nudes, and then they'll unblock if you. you. Yeah. I was really worried again. that the uh, that Antifa super <laughs> soldiers would ass. come and take my nudes. <laughs> <laughs> I really I really can't get behind Antifa as a pronunciation. It, it really it just sounds too much like a sort of like niche Caribbean religion. So we're back to, we're back to <laughs> Antigon, right? <laughs> 
you've got to verify the white supremacists because I've had a lot of problem as a consumer with fake white supremacists. <laughs> you know, you, you think someone's a real white supremacist and then you, you get them home and then they, they break. They don't keep your coffee at the right temperature. Um, <laughs> the gold rim you know, turns out to be They don't even plating. insist on the coffee being white, which is, you know, really worrying. Um, I'd like to so complain. I, I, this. I am in favor of this. It's, it's, good for the, it's good for the consumer at the end of the day. I want to know that my racist <laughs> tweets are being written by a real racist and not just someone pretending to be a racist uh, to get votes uh, like, uh, like Theresa May. I think I also think this just like speaks like Twitter is obviously like a dumpster fire where we all spend too much time and it's awful and terrible. And we would be better off if the website just closed down tomorrow. If Twitter.com returned to 404 error, my quality of life would go so far The problem with Twitter is like Twitter never expected that it was going to be like the center of like U.S. political discourse in 2017. So it never bothered to like clarify any of its very like murky opaque policies that it has and doesn't really enforce including the stupid verification thing there's an idea that i i I find sort of more and more convincing um which is that one of the key tenets of of like platform capitalism is that sort of the the owner of the platform sort of makes a claim on sort of every beneficial externality of every action that takes place on that platform, but sort of abdicates responsibility for any negative externality saying they couldn't possibly um, censor, they couldn't possibly see themselves as a publisher until it comes Mm -hmm. time to collect royalties for clicks. Mm-hmm. Hey, yeah. sounds really smart. <laughs> platform, platform, capitalism platform just that's made what I would do. Kind of like 2D capitalism video game, sort of like Super Mario <laughs> style, where you have to like jump onto like various ledges and like collect coins and like, you know, property, which you can then leave to your children uh, and will use that to maintain their own position in society. Um, uh, and at the end, you save a princess. So it's all fine. <laughs> <laughs> it's just funny because d- like Twitter <laughs> platform <laughs> Twitter's been so I mean they've been so terrible about enforcing evenly a lot of their policies over especially over the past few months and like but but they they've always been very something that they've always like talked about is uh like they they'll always point to Arab Spring as like the highlight of like Twitter and and the good that Which, Twitter as we can all know, do went fine. yet like when when there's like a domestic political thing happening on their platform uh like they're verifying white supremacists who live in the united states like they are quick to kind of abdicate any responsibility for that well it's 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 almost as though uh though those in power will do anything to maintain their sort of white knuckled grip on it (laughs) (laughs) it's a white knuckled ride through the prison industrial complex so fortunately though i guess the story doesn't have a completely um, a completely sort of uh, uh, downcast ending. I think it has a bit of a mixed ending um, because mm-hmm. like the, one of the sort of leftist parody accounts, uh, Krang T. Nelson is sort of back and, and, and joking. Um, <laughs> Peace be upon him. But we've lost, we've lo- I think we, we've lost um, Too Damn Muslim and uh, Ayatollah Come On Me. <laughs> Ayatollah Come On Me. That's a, I, I'm such a fan of that as a name. It's because it's not the real Ayatollah <laughs> come on me, and he just sued them for like defamation. <laughs> I think I just sort of I, again sort of pulling from an article on, on Gizmodo about sort of Twitter's verification policy. Um, it sort of it, it gets to I think the quite usual sort of tech company blow off when you know Gizmodo reaches out to Twitter asking why it verified Kessler. 
who, you know, basically used Twitter to organize events that led to the murder of Heather Heyer. Um, uh, Twitter's response was just, you know, hi, we'd like to refer you to this article from our help center for further information on our verification policy and sort of treat the rules of their site almost like their laws of nature that can be discovered and are kind of just, <laughs> you know, um, ontologically uh, there. Just, just like the U.S. Constitution. <laughs> <laughs> No, it says right here, you have to let the retarded buy guns. And then when they eventually kill people, you can execute them. That's what freedom <laughs> is. <laughs> freedom is about revenge. I'm going to quickly, I mean, I'm going to edit out this gap. I'm just scrolling down through this article. Because I'd like to sort of pull anything out anything we say now won't make the podcast. Yeah, die. you guys can say anything because this is get this is getting edited out, so I can get to the next place in the article. Uh, so you know, if anyone has any you know terrible takes that they want to use to get verified <laughs> on Twitter, I would suggest now is the time. I promise not to re- preserve them and use them as compromat. Tony Blair without the Iraq War and uh, private finance initiative. Yeah. <laughs> That's Mel. Yeah, fucking Mel. Decent take, decent guys. I'm coming out as a. It is an alright take, isn't it? (laughs) It's such a large counterfactual. It's like saying there's a number of celebrities that saying X without Y. It's like yeah, but Y is quite critical to their entire being (laughs) in a way that Steven Seagal without without the without the sexual assault would Mm. still have been a mediocre actor. Right, right, right. (laughs) Um, uh, Actually, Maya, this is an interesting question. Again, not not for the not for the podcast, but just for my own interest. Um, have the terms slug and melt made it over to the United States to describe like I don't me. To <laughs> <laughs> describe like tuna sandwiches and something similar to a snail. <laughs> yeah, have, have you have you guys started hearing these yet? I'm sorry, I didn't hear you. What? So like I guess like terms for what they would like self-describe like centrist, center-left people. Uh, but then the, the there's like a kind of word, words like slug and or melt which describe no uh, no <laughs> that's <laughs> really is... funny no <laughs> <laughs> no so basically um, there's like this there's I, I I guess it's 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 what you could think of as like the closest thing Britain has to Chapo um, is this pod, a podcast called Real Politic and there's also this other guy like Matt Zarb cousin who was like a Corbyn strategist and stuff. Um, and they just, it, it's, it's really funny because they created this intense culture of like pearl clutching among sort of, sort of centrist, non-left-wing labor MPs. So basically people mm-hmm. who would be more or less aligned with the Democratic Party, uh, except further left than them because every Because of Britain. Because yeah, <laughs> Britain. Britain. <laughs> people online just started like making fun of them. And now they'll like all always write like panicked articles in like the Times or Telegraph or whatever being like, this online abuse of labor MPs has to stop. Someone yesterday reversed the first letters of my first name and last name. I'll have nothing said against Wom Tots. <laughs> yeah, they called they called me Kayatala Um on me. It was very, <laughs> very okay. So this, this this was a large digression that is uh, very fun, but going to going, it did not know within the theme. Um, okay. Um, so here we go. I'm gonna edit back in. In a moment. It's one thing okay. the article says. Uh, 
for Twitter to say that it doesn't want to ban Nazis from, it plot, from its platform because of free speech concerns, which seems like a reasonable discussion that intelligent people can disagree about. I'm going to disagree with that, Gizmodo. You should probably ban Nazis. <laughs> um, Yikes, yeah. Doesn't... Yeah, so number one, ban Nazis. That's a pretty easy rule. Because right now your rule is ban leftist parody accounts for making jokes about an Antifa super soldier serum. I love making fun of the Nazis, though, which kind of makes me less keen to have them banned. I like having them there as a sort of, like, entertainment. <laughs> you want a Nazi vaudeville where you can, like, throw tomatoes at them. Something like that, yeah. Like, where they're, where they're constantly backed by, like, ragtime piano. <laughs> <laughs> it's the dang libs again! <laughs> oh, yeah. And so, I just to sort of... Um, sort of to, to, to close this out, uh, Jack Dorsey... Uh, CEO said on on this sort of policy of verifying Nazis, said, well, we should have communicated faster on this. Our our agents have been following our verification policy correctly, but we realized some time ago our system is broken and needs to be reconsidered, and we failed by not doing anything about it, working now to fix faster. Again, I don't think you really have to think about it that much. (laughs) I, 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 I think we can articulate a pretty simple solution, right? Mm-hmm. Well, I guess I guess like where where do you draw the line between people who are Nazis and people who aren't Nazis in a world where it's t- I mean some people are definitely Nazis and some people are like definitely not Nazis but there's probably like a decent sized gray area of people like you don't know whether they would they really have a holocaust in them or not you know oh god there was there was a really fantastic uh, there was a really fantastic um passage um which I, I and I'm going to, I'm going to um, butcher again because I'm not able to. Um, yeah, all this tech meaning Riley can't remember things off the top of his head and just reel out paragraph on paragraph of perfect. That's a problem, isn't it, guys? Huh, okay, sorry again. Nightmare. Webster's dictionary defines Nazi. As- uh, well, no, it's that um, I can't remember who this was. It wasn't. It was it. It wasn't Foucault or Arendt, but it was sort of. Um, one of their one of their sort of contemporaries who were saying that sort of the problem with fascist with fascist sort of rhetoric is that fascism sort of has no fascism sort of sees words only in terms of power, doesn't see them as signifiers of concepts. And so they're kind of free to say literally whatever they want because their sort of concern is purely sort of rhetorical. Their, their concern is not to sort of communicate any kind of truth. Um, and that they can just sort of keep playing with language and playing with language to sort of at once play within the rules, but equally um, to sort of signal to their to their followers to sort of do something else because it's something that, quote, everyone knows. And even when they're sort of rhetorically trapped, they can loftily declare that the time for discussion has passed and the time for action is now. And so I think when you're dealing with fascists, sort of traditional concerns about free speech, which sort of, I think, have some basic assumptions about, um, I guess you could say, good faith in the people who are sort of engaging in free speech. It it, it has to sort of break down at some stage. Uh, Yeah, I mean, my my point was not like free speech for fascists. My point was more like, how do you define who is a fascist? Like, without... That's why it's good to verify the Nazis, because then you know who the Nazis are, right? Instead of make the blue tick like the new swastika. The icon can be like a miniature version of their nude. (laughs) 
<laughs> yeah. Because, I mean, <laughs> the miniature, like, you tattoo a picture of their ass on their ass. <laughs> no, that's what I call a signifier and a signified. Because, I mean, it's verified as kind of like the online equivalent of having a driving license, right? Doesn't it, does it doesn't make you a good person. It's just like, that's who that is. Um so I guess driving I guess license doesn't like mean a, you're a good like a, driver. Like a logical <laughs> level, like I don't really have a problem with verifying the Nazis on the grounds that, like, well, if that really is, so they're like, yep, that's the real one, that's the real Nazi. I'm like, okay, I guess yeah, that's fine, that's him. Guys, um, our um, but whether they shout Twitter account at all, guys, our uh, our esteemed our our esteemed uh, substitute host uh, <laughs> Alex Keeley has to go perform a comedy gig in uh, Oxford. Yeah, now. that's me. So uh, I'm going to say we're uh, we're at about an hour and hour and a bit. Any final thoughts on uh, Twitter um, ban- banning uh, joke accounts and verifying Nazis? <laughs> I mean, it's a charming reversal <laughs> of what you would do if you were normal. <laughs> Twitter.com, a normal website. In, in that case, uh, Maya, thank you so much for coming on. It has been uh, a great deal of fun. Thank you for having me. It's been, it's been, a, it's been a pleasure to virtually join you. Just got met with complete uh, See you later, everyone. <laughs> 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 yeah, I hate you, Maya. <laughs> I, mean, I hate myself. Uh, so, all right. Yeah, I hate <laughs> <laughs> okay. See you later, everyone. Oh.